0: May sixteenth, in this is season six, episode thirty-six of the Full Stars Spurs, Spurs Podcast. I'm your host Anthony. And with me this week is Jeff. Hello, Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And returning to the podcast is Rick. Hello. Well, I think we got to start this conversation. What a positive week! And was <laughs> a fantastic <laughs> week all around. Uh, um, like it was eight days that we were all hyper concerned, and everything worked out. It couldn't probably couldn't worked out much better. Um, but I want to start the conversation by talking just a little bit about those who aren't with us today, and that's uh, the group that went to London. We talked about it on the last two episodes, the groups that were going, um, but uh, Tommy, uh, Mike, uh, Sam, um, and loyal listener, listener Peter, amongst other people, are all uh, in in London or returning from London. Um, they made it to the... They all made it to the Burnley game. Um, I think most went to the Arsenal, too. The uh, Most people were able to get tickets, so w- what a great experience for them. Um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm like, not at all jealous. <laughs> I'm a little <laughs> jealous. I, I really <laughs> wish I had gone on that trip. Um, but I saw some f- photos and videos. It looks like everybody had a great time, met up with some of our listeners, so that that, that was a good experience. So th- for those of you that came out and uh, talked to... Uh, um, Talk to everybody. Thanks for uh, for hanging out with them, showing them a good time. Um, I I saw that people were interviewed uh, at one at one point. Like uh, I saw Tommy and uh, I think I think uh, Mike being interviewed. So uh, sounds like it was an awesome experience for them. I'm glad they had a good time. Uh, anybody else have any thoughts or any uh, uh, congratulations you want to give to, regarding the trip? Yeah, bastards. <laughs> okay well no, i'm just
1: i'm I'm happy tommy went over and got his first win i know he's been over there to White Hart lane to the new stadium now so he's been there loads of times and every time he goes we always lose and drop points in a really really horrific way so for him to get his first win and it'd be arsenal and then followed up with another win on burnley i'll allow him back in the apartment now i said if he didn't come home with six points i was chasing the locks so I'm very happy that he was able to go over there and get that experience.
2: Change nah, the option anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and whenever we send a group from Chicago, we have a tendency to lose. Like, if not not just like one or two people going on their own, but like when we send a large group, we we tend to, to lose. So, uh, for that not to happen in two two such key matches, what a great thing! So basically,
3: uh, none of us can go, is what you're saying?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess hey, we all look at stay me.
3: Back. I always <laughs> would.
0: <laughs> but um, but let's move the conversation along. And like, we're going to start by talking about the Arsenal match. So we were going into that. I think we were a little bit worried. Uh, we had uh, R- Ramiro uh, pick up a knock prior to the, the match and wasn't available. Um, it, 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 I think we were all just kind of a little bit concerned going into it, but it kind of worked <coughs> really well in our favor.
2: Well, uh, I've I, been watching... Uh, experts probably a lot longer than most of you and I can probably say without a shadow of a doubt that that was the easiest London derby I've ever seen um uh, almost to a point where I was not worried at any point in the game you know the first 10 minutes they had the ball but apart from that nothing, they, they had nothing um and you know we we won easily. I um, and, and it's a great detriment to them that 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 that, that happened. Um.
0: Yeah, it was kind of an anemic uh, attempt on on their part, which is really a shame. It kind of felt like that they were trying to to be too physical, but they were doing it in such a stupid way that they just uh, like shot themselves in in the in the foot by yeah uh, they're they're not
2: they're not a physical team they're not you know they they just aren't i mean they obviously had a tactic to um um to be very tight to sun and it just backfired on them spectacularly yeah uh lucas
1: yeah i think before the game i was very i haven't been that calm in front of like leading up into a north london derby in a long time um I think I just I knew it was a lock just because of the fact that this was our first time going back there with fans. Um, I knew that 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 environment that was in the ground that day was exactly what I expected it to be. I expected it to be an absolute just extra man on the pitch, if you will. Um, And it was and our fans were up for it. And that place was rocking. And that's exactly what I expected. And that's why I knew I was like that was always going to be our night. But I will say I was really worried at the beginning when uh, Romero got hurt. Um, when they announced that Romero wasn't going to be playing, I was worried. And we look at it now and we say that was very easy of a game. Um, but those first 10 minutes was, uh, we were very dodgy at the back and Sanchez did not look comfortable at all. Um, so we we got lucky that they played the wrong game plan. I think regardless, we would have taken care of business and we got away with the three points. But I, I just, I don't think it would have been that easy if Arteta hadn't come out with that game plan saying, Holding, I want you to stick to Son and bully him. They tried to do what Villa did to us in that first half a few weeks back where they just tried to out-physical us every second, every challenge they were just wrecking people. But they're just not that team, and they don't have that guy. So if you're asking if Liverpool says uh, – because Liverpool had just done it uh, with who? Uh, was it Fabinho or whatever that was – aggressive as all hell and had several challenges that could have been yellows, but weren't yellows. I think they probably saw that and said, let's go with that game plan. But holding's not Fabinho. Holding was an absolute clown and was lucky that he didn't have three or four yellow cards he could have had. So uh, it was, it was really, I, I could see what Arteta was thinking, but it was a really poor decision. And I think that's the big reason that it backfired and it was so comfortable for us. I mean, like I said, we would have won, but I don't think it would have been as comfortable if we didn't have a nice penalty and a nice 10-minute advantage for 70 minutes.
2: Rick? Well, uh, the difference between this game uh, and the Aston Villa game was the referee. I mean, in this game, the referee, you know, he, he let them get away with shit in the first 10, 15 minutes. You know, there was a lot of stuff that they were doing that he could have booked them for and didn't. And then Davis makes a foul, and he books, and he books him straight away. I mean, it, it, it was just bizarre. Um,
1: well, Rick, Rick, real quick, Rick. The at least you're absolutely right, and and you could see this time when the guy when he finally uh, gave, holding his first yellow, he held up three fingers at him, said yeah. that was that was your third one. I've been counting at least." At least this time, the ref actually was aware of what was going on and was making a mental note every time Holding did one of those. But, but, but and then why finally was like you? Yeah, he was like you have no other choice. I have to book you now.
2: But why didn't he give Davis three? But there you go. I, I won't I'm quibbling about stupid stuff. But but um, yeah, he he, he he let them he let them go. He let it a lot go at the beginning, and then he clamped down on them. And he clamped down on, on them justifiably. And they have got no argument about that. Uh, nothing. Jeff?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, it was kind of the reverse battle of the bridge, right? It was Arsenal trying to show how tough they were, and it blew up in their face. But they're one of the worst disciplined teams in the league. I mean, they've been racking up cards all year, so this is nothing new for them. But it was hilarious, Arteta's uh, post-game remarks um, and his long crybaby whining that the referee had spoiled such a beautiful game and all that. (laughs) It's like, did, did you watch the same game as everyone else? Obviously not. Um, and then you know, uh, Conte took him to the woodshed in his uh, <laughs> his post game briefing after that too. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah,
2: he, yeah, he yeah. took him, he took him around the back with the shotgun.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, that that was completely like,
0: I, I mean, obviously you're going to defend your team, but the, the, to try and argue that like we didn't play a good game, like it was only the these stupid foul situations, the. And obviously the first goal we'll have to talk about, which was, uh, you know, the penalty in the box. Like, uh, whether he thinks that's soft or not, like, uh, the rest of his play wasn't good either. So, I mean, you you can't just blame it on that. Like, uh, that wasn't the only thing that lost this match for Arsenal. Uh, Lucas, I think you were next.
1: Well, yeah, and I I think the best part about Arteta's comments, too, was that... There's a, there's a specific reason why this game was played on May fifth or May twelfth on a Thursday afternoon, Arteta. If you remember, we were ready to play you in January, and you chose not. So, I, I mean, the the, uh, the irony of that how how you can't even how he even said those words was just absolutely comical. But um, yeah, I think as as far as like if we're gonna talk about the penalty, I think that goes back to his game plan as well. I think if you were to take that goal out of context and you were to just watch that play. Uh, as a neutral fan you just got shown that play you might say oh that's kind of soft as a penalty but when you put it into context knowing that every time son had the ball they were absolutely mulching him and then it, when you're in the air and you have two guys hit him from two different angles you're you're never that's always going to be a penalty the ref had no choice but to call that a penalty and it's because you set the tone saying every time we're going to smack him and he already started carding people saying I'm, i've warned you enough and they just stick with it and I mean, he went up, it was, it's, any way you slice it, that's a pen. So, yes, I guess in context you could say that that was soft. But in context of the game, it was just, it was the next logical step. And it was always going to be the call. And that's on Arteta himself, which is what I think is so funny about his comments. It was his game plan, which dictated his own demise.
2: Rick? Yeah, I totally agree. Because if if they hadn't been fouling the Sun beforehand, and that was the first one, they, it probably wouldn't have been a penalty. Um, but, like Lucas said, it's, it's the, accum- the accumulation of everything that had gone before. And they were, they were basically trying to hurt something. It There's was, it was, it was no argument about it. They were trying to hurt him. Um, they weren't trying to tackle him. They weren't trying to you know, hold him or whatever. They were trying to hurt him. And, um, it, it, you know, it, it, the result was um, the referee had no choice to, to give, but to give the penalty.
3: Jeff, and they made no adjustments. I mean, you know that was a game plan going in, and obviously there were no in-game adjustments to that either. Because you know, holding like Lucas, like you said, he could have picked up three by the time he got the first one. But after he got the first one, he did not slow down at all. And usually, if you have you know some senior leaders in the team or a manager who knows what's what, they, they you know they tell you to back off. And you know, but there was none of that. They they went full bore you um the rest of the time
2: well what you usually get with a good manager is you'll get you'll um, you'll get someone like holding man marking some when he picks up a yellow then they'll switch the man marker so the next player can mark some and get a yellow and then you switch them again do you see what I mean that's good management so so you don't pick up a, a you don't pick up a red card because you're switching out who's marking who but like, like you said, you know, it's an inexperienced manager and a certainly in a, a, a stupid player, basically.
0: Yeah, he he certainly had no business trying to be that player. Like, clearly, he didn't know how to do it the right way. Um, but I don't think they have that player, and that's why they shouldn't. <laughs> they should have come in with a different game plan. Like they well, they, should... they, they tried they tried to beat us like a, a Aston Villa uh, players like Aston Villa, as you said and they they needed to play us like Arsenal,
2: (laughs) and uh, they weren't willing to do that. No, Uh, and and the other other thing is, um, holding is actually their slowest defender. So you're putting their slowest defender against our fastest player. What's going to happen?
1: Which just invites challenges.
2: Yeah, (laughs) what's going to (laughs) happen?
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the other uh, uh, positives in this this match because obviously this was mostly positives. Arsenal is always going to be a negative; uh, it's just the way they're going to play us. But uh, but we had, uh, other than the penalty, we had two other magnificent goals. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about those a little bit. So let, let, let's go into the second one. So, uh, um, Kane in the thirty seventh minute.
2: Yeah, we scored from a corner.
1: Unbelievable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we actually had a uh, (laughs) set-piece winner And it was (laughs) me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I won set-piece roulette at the pub, and I was very, very happy about that. But I I think the thing I was shocked about is, again, we didn't put it into the near post, which is always refreshing to see. Um, But the thing that shocked me, again, is Arteta is going to sit here and say, we had the referees destroy the beautiful game and this and that. And it goes back to what, what was your plan on that? You had your striker marking Harry Kane, arguably the best striker in Europe and the King of the North London Derby who had already scored and was always going to be poaching. You had a striker marking him on the corner. What did you think was going to happen? And it was a beautiful ball, a uh, beautiful ball on from Benteke and just, of course there's 10 himself just sitting there to head it in. And, so I think that was just, it was a beautiful bit of play from us. And Harry had to be thinking when he saw who was marking him, he had to be thinking, this is Christmas day. Like this guy's not staying with me. Like, and Harry Kane did Harry Kane things. It was so great. And I think that was every bit of us had that bit of reservation. Um, when we had gone up 2 one before in the year we were chasing down Leicester. Harry had the best goal I think I've ever seen out of Derby and probably in any game ever with that bender that he had from the impossible angle. And we were up a man for the rest of that game and they were able to get one back and draw two, two. And I think every, every one of us had that in the back of our mind. We went up the man and we were up a goal. We all thought of that being possible, but that second goal there was what absolutely put that to bed at that point. It was just over. And it was just a matter of how many can we score.
0: Yeah, there was a time where I was thinking in this match that we might walk away with four, four or five. I mean, this really put them to shame. Like it would be something we'd be talking about for generations. I mean, as it is, this is I. I think I heard that this was our, uh, our biggest, uh, l- largest uh, w- win in the North London Derby. And you know, 20- yeah, yeah like, I think uh, it's uh,
3: the, we've never beaten Arsenal by three or more goals in a Premier League game.
0: Uh, Yeah, in a Premier League game, that's correct. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Uh, But, wow. Uh, Jeff, uh, you you, just going to jump in.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, then right after halftime with the third goal from Sun, it was amazing how easy the second half was. I mean, we had lots of chances. I mean, Royale missed, what, like four shots all by himself. We had lots (laughs) of chances to, like, really pile it on, but it never felt necessary. And you know, we were able to make subs at the 70th minute to save them for Sunday. Um, you know, it's like you said, Rick. This is not what you expect from a North London derby at all. I mean, Arsenal was, were just totally outplayed and outclassed on this
2: day. Yeah, it's um, it's like you said. You know, the, the second half was literally almost non-existent, and and it got to a point where we're thinking about Burnley on Sunday. You know, we're making subs and we're, you know, we're, um, and the players are taking it easy and, you know, um, it was almost a training game, uh, after about the 60, 60th minute, um, because we knew they weren't going to, they weren't going to do anything. And, and we, we saved their legs for, for Burnley, which we really needed to do.
0: To be able to rest our players during an Arsenal match. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just it's, a magnificent it's, feeling. We've never, I, I've never seen that. No, it's, uh, it's, it's like, oh, never... let's let's take off some of our good players and give them rest for this upcoming Burnley rest cause match because we have short rest. Yeah, it's, uh, emba-
2: it's embarrassing
0: for them. Lucas.
1: Well, and poor Sonny looked like he was gonna cry when he got taken off. Was so <laughs> upset, which I loved the most. I was like, that that man is absolutely hungry. But I think my favorite part is like like you guys just said it, it was so important because that allowed us to start managing for Burnley. Arsenal had the advantage of getting to play an extra day. They were playing on Monday night football. We were playing the first game on Sunday. We didn't even get to play Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. It was smack dab first game on Sunday. So good on Conti for making the subs and giving guys like Joe Roden a run out, Lucas, Bergvine. So that was awesome. But I think my favorite part about the third goal was how quickly it came after halftime. Because you have to wonder what was going through Arteta's mind. Like, what speech did he just give in the dressing room at halftime saying, guys, one goal and then anything can happen or something like that. Like, kind of put a game plan together. And then within 90 seconds of half, it's like, well, fuck this. Not even going to put on white. Not even going to make any other subs. Like, he's now thinking for Newcastle. Like, he started thinking for Monday's game because that game absolutely got put to bed right there. And it was so fun. At that point, it just became an absolute piss-up. Like Jeff had mentioned, then
2: it just became to see if Royale
0: was going to get
1: one or not. He was yeah. so close. <laughs> so <laughs> many times.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, player performance for a, a bit, and I think maybe the best way to have that conversation is we can going to have a bit more lengthy of an MVP-LVP conversation than we normally would. Um, uh, Jeff, do uh, you want to start?
3: I, yeah, well, <clears throat> do, do you want to say MVP, or do you just want to talk about people who did well? Oh.
0: Well, talk about people that did well and pick which of them right. here is your so, MVP.
3: I do want to give a shout, a shout out to Royale. I thought he was excellent in this game, even though he blew all four chances to put the ball in the net. That's not I mean, that's not his game anyway. But um, I thought he was really I mean, he's been shaping up defensively anyway over the past five games or so. Um, <clears throat> so I thought he was excellent in this game game defensively and i thought going forward he started to show a lot more too i mean you could definitely see the improvement in him he's still not a starting right wing back and he probably won't ever be if he's our starting right wing back next year i'll be very upset but he's young and he's improving and um, it'll be interesting to see if he if spurs keep him and keep trying to get something out of him or not but my mvp of the game was harry kane um You could tell he was up for it. He was moving and running a lot more than he has been the last couple matches. Um, And he was on a mission. And, uh, yeah, I thought he completely dominated Arsenal.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good shout there. Um, Let's go to uh, Rick next.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I want to continue with the um, Royale talk. um, Because people forget that he's 21. And he's been in England six months. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's it, you know people expect you know uh, you know in this social media world of instant gratification, the players are just going to come in and they're going to be brilliant from the moment they land, and that, and ninety nine percent of the cases that is not the case. Um, you know I I've been harder on him than probably most people, um, and you're right. You know he's defending, he's getting better. Uh he's attacking he's getting better. The only thing that you know worries me about him is when he has possession and you, you know he he doesn't he's not really proactive in his own possession. he can run onto a ball or he can run back to defend. but when he has possession, that's when, when it worries me. Um, so he needs to work on that. Uh, as for an MVP... um you could probably name half the team. Um, um, You know, Holberg had a great game, Bentecourt had a great game, the defenders, all the defenders um, had a great game, but I think I would go with Davis. Um, You know, people forget or uh, underestimate Davis, but he's come into a back three, you know, ever since Conte has been manager, and he is Mr. Reliable. You know, every other defender has, has been out for a period of time except Davis. He's the number one person that always plays, always plays to a good level. And, and in some cases, and especially, in, in, you know, in the Arsenal game um, and previous games, you know, he's the one that's blocking tackles and, you know, and clearing the ball and, you know. Um, so, yeah, I give it to Davis. I,
0: th- I think that's a very good shout, Uh Lucas?
1: Um. Yeah, I, I mean, like, if we're talking just individual performances, I think there's so many guys that need shoutouts. Um, I think Coy Bear played fantastic. Um, and because to me that this game was two separate games. Um, I think up until the red card, it was two completely separate games, and I think it's because once the red card happened, you could say everyone had a great game. I mean, it was just. It was easy to have a great game when you're up a man. But I think Hoybear was instrumental winning the ball back and forcing them to make mistakes in dangerous areas for that first 15 minutes or so. Um, I think Ben Davis, not only did... uh, I want to just highlight on what Rick said. I think if we come to... I I mean, hopefully we'll we'll talk more, but hopefully I think if we can finish top four, what a tough decision it's going to be to try and decide who is our player of the season. And I think somebody that absolutely needs to be part of that conversation is Ben Davis. And, I mean, I'm also going to kind of spin this anti-potch here for a second, but it's not rocket science. He's always been left center back in a back three. That's his best position. So Conti came in and was like, well, let's have him do that. And voila, what a player we have in that. And he's always reliable. He's always putting in this performance. And he always does the number one thing he's expected to, which is to recycle it up to your left wing back and then be an absolute rock back there. I thought Dyer was fantastic as well. Dyer was the one thing that worried me when Romero wasn't put in, um, was I worried maybe the emotions of the North London Derby. We know Dyer's an emotional guy. I thought maybe Dyer would have got carried away or something, and he would have pulled the holding and just punched somebody in the face or something. But um, I thought Dyer was fantastic. Um, there were so many guys I thought were brilliant in it, but um yeah i think i think Hoiberg definitely deserved a shout out more should i give my MVP? are we doing mvp lvp anthony or should we
0: yeah you're doing mvp too everybody else gave theirs okay if answer. i'm going to do
1: if i'm giving mvp i would it's got to be harry um just captain north london derby it's that's his day um i thought he was brilliant um even uh, you could say I, I was so bummed that he didn't actually get the assist for Son's goal on like the third one because all of that was created by him just bodying like three dudes in the box and it somehow just laid up nicely and sun teed it up so I Kane two goals and what could arguably be said was an assist but and I think another guy that we haven't touched on yet but deserves a shout out as well was Kulichewski I thought he played fantastic as well and he put that ball in that got us the first penalty as well so I thought just another kid like Rick mentioned age with uh, Royale. Another kid that's 21 showed up for his first North London derby. Didn't seem phased. Slotted right in and gave a great, great show.
0: Yeah, no, all good shots there. Uh, I'm going to mention uh, uh, since you guys have kind of covered uh, a large chunk of the team, I'm going to mention some of that you you all missed. And I think Ryan Sessegnon had a fantastic performance too. Um, you know a. A young wing back, obviously some injury issues, but uh, um, it it would be easy for him to to kind of lose a little bit of control in a North London derby. But like he he really had it together. He was contributing to the attacks. He was uh, making things happen. Um, and there's no way he could be my MVP. But but I but I think he deserves some recognition for this one as well. I mean, um, definitely we have a player there going forward I I do think we need a a better rotational one than um um geez why am I brain (laughs) you (laughs) already (laughs)
3: forgot (laughs)
0: yeah yeah. (laughs) I'm like he's already out of my mind because I'd rather watch Sassanian play but um but yeah regardless I, I I think Kane probably has to be the MVP but if we really want to go to the letter of the word and most valuable player, perhaps it could be Sun. Uh, because if Sun wasn't such uh, the focus of, uh, of Arsenal's uh, oh, that's defense. A fa- that's
1: a fantastic point. Yeah. yeah,
0: then we really probably would have been in the same position. I think we still would have come out on top. But um, but because they put all that emphasis on Sun, it really opened up uh, Kane to be able to do his thing. Uh, I think,
1: just... Anthony, I think I think that's an absolutely fantastic point. And I think that Kane is Kane. Kane's so good. It's like nobody can game plan for Harry Kane. That's not something you can do. So I think that they just thought, all right, let's, let's go after Son. And let's try and game plan around Son. And that involved throwing elbows in his face and punches in the back and trying to tie him up and hurt him, as Rick said. So I think you're absolutely right. The fact that they had to try to hurt Son in this game and they had to focus on sun so hard is what made this game so easy for us. And sun yeah. shone, no pun intended. Sun shone above it. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. um, well, with LVP, I don't know if any if anybody's going to have somebody ch- shout out. If you do, I do want to mention. Like, I think um, uh, Sanchez had a kind of poor start, um, but that was like ten minutes, and then. Then he got kind of got over the the hiccups, and that's a guy coming in who hasn't been playing regular minutes. So I'm kind of okay with him taking a being a little bit shaky at first, and then kind of getting it together and he becoming a contributor. Uh, Lucas,
1: yeah, um, I'm the only one that raised my hand here, but I will, um, I'll speak very, very softly on this one because I, I I I think I referred as this was a two separate games for me. This was the game until we had a red card on us and a 10-man advantage, and there was the game where it was the the former. And in that first 10 minutes, Sanchez looked absolutely panicked. And he didn't have – and, again, I want to stress the fact that this was his first time starting in, God knows what, month, four or five months maybe, like was the last time he got to start. So I I get that. But at the same time, you're a center back – in Conti's system, you're asked to do a couple of separate things. And one of them, the most important thing, is when you have the ball to recycle it to your wing back. Unfortunately for us, him and Royale paired together is not the strongest pairing for us. It makes every one of us nervous because neither one of them has the confidence or strength on the ball, even if that, to move the ball forward. So when you have the ball, every time, like I just spoke highly of uh, Ben Davis. When Davis gets the ball, he immediately thinks either drive the ball forward or recycle it up to my left sided wing back, which would be in this case either Sessignon or Regulon. But Sanchez got the ball and had no clue what he was supposed to do with it every time. That first 10 minutes, he passed back to Hugo like six times, and Hugo was looking at him like, What are you doing? Hugo's used to that being Romero saying, Romero's going to take care of this. Instead, Hugo kept getting it passed back to him. And then we all know that Hugo's not – Hugo's dodgy at best on the ball in those situations. So we were all waiting for that mistake. So I think that first 10 minutes of Sanchez not knowing what he wanted to do with the football was panic. And I think it was really, really stressful. But like I said, we got – he settled in. And I think actually one of the stats, I think once we got the man up and started taking control of the game – I think Sanchez, I uh, heard a stat, had like more balls played into the final third than anyone. So he immediately kind of got comfortable and started being an attacking force, which was great and a great credit to him. But I, I would give a slight LVP shout out to him for that first 10, 15 minutes or so where he looked absolutely like a nervous wreck.
2: Well, he was the one that passed to Kane for the first, go- for the third goal. So, yeah, exactly. Like once
1: once, once he got settled into the game and we had the man advantage and it was a completely different game, he looked fantastic. But for that first 10 minutes, I almost pissed myself every time somebody passed him the ball.
0: Yeah, I was with you uh, during that time period, but since he got it together, I, I can't in good conscience give him an LVP and I don't think there's anybody else out there that deserves it. So um, um, any final thoughts before we move on to the Burnley match? Okay. um
2: <laughs>
1: no just hey just thanks again thanks again for that uh covid air quotes thanks for that covid scare you guys had while you couldn't play us in january so
2: <laughs> yeah yeah but um, yeah. yeah when when we were when we were actually weaker than we, than we <laughs> are now
3: well and sun sun, sun son wouldn't so. have played yes yeah, <laughs> son would not have played if we had played so, this on schedule and we wouldn't have had, had a yeah,
1: for allowing Son Kulachevsky,
0: and uh, Benteng <laughs> to be a part
3: yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way yeah.
0: to go. Yeah, they, they they really did kind of did us a favor there. Um, anyway, um, so we had, on the weekend on on short rest we had to move into Burnley. Um, this was another home fixture at least, um, but this is a team that's uh, fighting for their life in relegation which made it a, a, a little bit more nervy coming into it um, we knew that Ramiro was out for the season at this point so we knew he wasn't going to be able to uh, play this one um, and uh, Kuliszewski had a uh, illness um, so he wasn't starting and we weren't sure if he was on the bench just to deke them out or whether he was actually available he, he did turn out to be available of course um, and it, it's a There was actually a lot of uh, players that were illness. I heard like uh, Winks, not really a loss, Uh, but both of our keepers um, were were amongst the people who got ill. So um, so this could have been pretty pretty problematic, Um, and and it wasn't a um, a dominant performance by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But we were able to. what we needed to do and uh and you know get the win uh rick
2: this was the perfect trap game um we were on short rest against an aggressive team that are fighting for their lives and it's an early game which we're never good at we also off the
1: back of of thursday (laughs) i'm off
2: off, off the back of a very emotional game um plus having uh, injuries which we haven't had before, which was, like Anthony said, uh, Kulisevsky and Romero. So it w- it was a perfect game to have every excuse to lose. And honestly, um, you know, we could have easily won that game four or five nil if it wasn't for their goalkeeper. And at no point did I feel like we were going to lose that game. Um, you know, I thought they might, you know, a, as the Spursy thing goes, might snatch a late equaliser. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I think that the, the mentality we went in with that game is down to content. It's down to having a good manager, you know, a world-class manager that, you know, that when you have excuses to lose, doesn't let you have those excuses. He, you know he, he instills in the team that we're taught them and um, we should be beating Burnley at home no matter what the circumstances and and that seemed to me how we approached that game. Um, it, it just seemed like on paper it was a it was a perfect trap but in reality it wasn't it really it really wasn't. Jeff? Um, Yeah, I
3: totally agree with you, Rick. This is the kind of game that we always lose or back in the Jose days, uh, they would get a late equalizer. Um, Credit to Charlie Eccleshire in the athletic for this, but of the 15 games we've won under Conte, only four have been by more than one goal. And the last time we did it was against City three months ago. So like, yeah, we got the three one nothing wins under Nuno to start the season, but one nothing isn't a score Spurs win by. Right. That that's a game we lose by or we draw or it winds up being a draw. So this was huge. This is the kind of game contenders have to win. You have to win the one nothing's that where you grind it out and things aren't perfect. And yeah, we're on short rest. Um and we did it. Um, you know, that's that's monumental for the you know, the growth of this club. Now uh Lucas, go ahead.
1: <clears throat> no, a couple things. Uh... Yeah, we talked about this being the perfect trap game. game, And I think one thing Rick forgot, too, is this game, everything Rick said was bang on about the trap game. But one thing he forgot to add was Burnley is that team that is designed perfectly to go against our strengths right now, especially with all those other circumstances in play, that they were going to let us have the ball. And how are we going to break them down? I actually wasn't mad that Kulachevsky couldn't sit this one out because, or had to sit out to start because I'm like, that's the one thing Lucas is the best at is he's actually going to drive the ball into the box and trying to invade stuff. Um, and I, I win us the ball and free kicks in weird spots and other stuff like that. But the thing that I was the most proud of, A, I want to give a special shout out to, again, our guys being out there from Chicago Spurs, but that the fans was, I think, what really drove it on um because it wasn't just emotional for the players it was even more emotional the players didn't go on the pints for the next three days our fans did but they turned up and were absolutely after it from jump street that game started and we were raucous in that stadium and that really really is so hard to do after an emotional win like that it's like i said I i was at the I was at the game where we played, again, ironically, we won 1-0 against Burnley with a late Ericsson winner at Wembley, and it was a few days after we had gone through against Barcelona. And albeit it was Wembley, but my God, no one was up for it. No one cared. It was the emotional toll that we had put in was too much, and it was it was a snooze factory, and Ericsson actually came in and saved us. But for this game, our fans were absolutely up for it, and you saw the players reflect that from the very beginning Yes, we didn't create the best of chances, but that first 20, 30 minutes, we were all over them. We had 90% of the possession for the first 30 minutes, and we're screaming forward. Sanchez was pretty much living outside their box. Like Our line was, like, there's a high line, and then there's what we were doing, which was just aggressive. It was so evident how important getting three points was to our players, and if... If it didn't go our way, I could have lived with that because we turned up and we absolutely gave it everything. And that's all I could ask from the guys. And I, I'm really, really happy we got it to go our way because, like Jeff had mentioned, those are the ones you got to win. You got to find a way to dig deep and grind out those results. But we looked absolutely up for it. And I think the fans really played a huge part in, like, the first 20, 30 minutes getting our players, getting behind our guys.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: I think Rick wanted jump in. Sorry.
2: I... Yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to mention was the other the other trap part of it was the fact that we would go above Arsenal, you know, for the racing top four if we won that game. Um, and, you know, that's another, you know, fallibility we've had in the past where we have an opportunity to make progress and we don't. Um, the one thing I will say about this game is no one will remember this game. It was. It's one of those games where you just have to win and forget it. Um, we all remember the Arsenal game, you know. From until the day I die, I'll remember that game. But but the Burnley game, it's just we just had to go out there, win the game, and and and, and go on to the next game. You know, it was just it's just one of those games that you have to win and forget it, um, and and we did that, and and. I, you know no one's gonna care how we played or how many chances we had or how much possession we had it, it's all available we just had to win that game and we did
0: well i do think some of the Arsenal fans were fuming
2: a little bit about us getting an, uh, another penalty <laughs> oh I, 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 I do i do want to i do want to uh, talk about this a little bit um um it's a shit call for a penalty it really is uh, if that was called against us i would be a i would be fuming. Um, but what I will say is it's the law. If, if if you do that, if you raise your arm and it hits your arm, it's a penalty. And I'm not saying I agree with that. Uh, I, I, actually, I actually think the law should be changed. But we've suffered from that. We suffered with that, you know, with Dyer against Newcastle, with Sissoko in the Champions League final. We, we've suffered with that before in the past. And like I say, I think it's a shit rule. It, and, um,
1: also, even even Romero against Man City, we just had
2: one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, it's a ridiculous rule, you know, uh, it, you know, the rule is if it hits your arm in the box and your arm's in an unnatural position, it's a penalty. It's it's a stupid rule. Um, it, you know, back in, you know I always go back in the day, in my day, you know, uh, you know, in the early years of the Premiership, this never happened. It wasn't. It was, you know, it was like it had, you know, you had to deliberately put your hands on the ball to stop it going in the net for it to be a handball. Do you see what I mean? None of this, putting your hand your arms behind your back just in case it might hit them accidentally. It's ridiculous. Um, um, I, they need to review this rule. It's, it's it's stupid. Like we, you know, and I'm saying that even though we benefited from it and it's, and it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's stupid.
0: Well, I do. I understand that, like, where they're coming from to a certain extent that there's this gray area where uh, what if you're really good at making it look like you're just like, oh, I, I'm just uh, jumping up in the air and balancing myself. But like, uh, I, I could see where guys could take advantage of that and bring the ball down more often if there wasn't a hard, fast rule. Um, but I, I don't think like calling all those is the solution. Now, that being said, like, I think we deserve to win this game because of how well, well we played them, we battered them. And if it wasn't for, like, a superb performance by Pope, um, uh, I I do think we would have had several goals here. So I'm not feeling guilty of, uh, about that penalty, but I, like, I, I would be upset if if we were on the other end of it. But but we have been on the other end of it, so it's our turn to, to be on this side of it. Yeah. Uh,
3: Jeff? Oh, I was going to say what well, yeah, what, what Rick right, we we have been on the other end of that the Champions League final. Um yeah, with Sissoko, so um yeah, I guess what goes around comes around. Um but yeah, it is a weird rule. I understand it. Like, if it's on an offensive play and it contributes to a goal getting scored, that that makes sense. And it and like you said, if it's to, if it's to stop a ball from going into the net. But some of these other ones, no human being can react quickly enough <laughs> to in some of these situations to avoid it. So um, yeah, it's a dodgy rule. You know, it's one of those rules. No matter what they do to it, uh, people aren't going to be satisfied. I don't think they'll ever get it quite right. Yeah. Uh, Lucas? <clears throat> um, yes.
1: I, I hear both points of view there. Um, I'm kind of on a different route here where to me, I'm like, it was stonewall and I don't feel bad about it at all because it, you're in the box and this is stuff you're taught when you're like five years old. It wasn't as if it hit his arm and it was like, Oh, you know, that was just kind of the dodge. His arm was coming up or something. He didn't have his elbow bent. His arm was straight, and his hand was above his shoulder. There is no reason that you jump up to defend in the box and have your hand in that position. That is just – it's the rule. It's something you're taught when you're a kid. That's not part of the rule that's changed. They changed the dodgy bit where it was like after the dire Newcastle war. But for that one, I'm like, it was a stonewall pen. Your hand was in a really out-of-nowhere-for-no-reason position. And that's kind of what happens when, what if there was someone on the other end of that? That if that, if there was like that ball was going to hit Son at the back post or something, and that guy's hand hits it because it's in that position, it's like, I mean, they have nothing to bitch about. We've been on the wrong end of that a thousand times. Um, One thing I will kind of go into is I actually thought one of our best bits of play came after that when we had that like. 30 this i think it was like a 30 second bit before they actually brought it back to var and lucas mora won the ball out on the right and this was something that i've talked about endlessly on this podcast it's one of the reasons i freak out about emerson royale is just taking the ball to the end line or taking on your man those are the only things i want to see my wingbacks do when they have the ball in the final third because what lucas did was He just took on his man, beat him, and started running into the box down the end line. What that allowed Harry Kane to do was just drift back unseamless or just unknowingly. Nobody marked him, and he let it off to Harry for an absolute layoff of a chance that we didn't get but ended up not mattering. But it, it was one thing that I really think that was our Achilles heel in that game. We were very lucky to have that penalty because we didn't do enough of actually running at Burnley and trying to create chances from the wings and that's why i get royale played great on thursday but i'm like that's that's what we need from our wing backs going forward was when that ball came into lucas Mora, he didn't even hesitate He just ran at his man and beat him because his the guy he was running at plays for burnley and you're lucas mora and you're emerson royale you play for tottenham run at your man absolute sitter for kane um so it's
3: just I would love to see us have more of that. Hopefully we will on Sunday against Norwich. Jeff? Yeah, and Sessegnon should have done more than that when his opposite picked up a yellow, too. He would still yeah. seem kind of reluctant. But but I thought Sessegnon had a good all-around game, and, you know, if Nick Pope hadn't stood on his head, he would have come out of that game with probably two assists. But, but yes, uh, but Sessegnon had the same problem where he just wasn't going to go directly at uh, at his opposite his crosses are nice and he's a good passer but sometimes you think he could just take the plunge himself
0: yeah and and i don't know how much of it's tactical what the, what he's being asked to do in some cases but uh but he certainly at times like it, he tends to cut in towards the the middle more than he he, he uh uh drives to the to wing but when he does get a cross off, it's uh, he's he's pretty good at locating it. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see him drive into the box from time to time, especially in these like uh, tough, congested situations where sometimes you just get the ball moving and uh, get get a lot of people's feet in the same place, and uh, sometimes the ball will bounce in the right place, and you'll get lucky. Uh, Lucas,
1: yeah. Ant- Anthony, and that's again, that's just that's what these are the games we need it the most. Um, like the biggest correlation i could put this to was i think it was either um was it the first day of the year like january 1st one of those we played um watford away we ended up getting the win in the 96th minute off like a sanchez header from a sun set piece and that game we had all they did was they put they i think they had a six-man back line and they just packed the box and said well cross and we Royale, I think it was actually started that game and regular, like we just crossed in balls. But they were easily just deflected away, deflected away. So in a game where they're going to let you have the ball and they're going to put 11 men behind the ball, you have to have guys from the outside, be willing and risk it and run at your man. And if he stops you, okay, we'll re- we'll recycle it out. We'll, we'll get the ball again. If they don't, we now have an opportunity. You've just beat your man coming down the end line and you see in that opportunity that I spoke of with Lucas Mora where Kane can drift back in the box unmarked and just get teed up for an absolute cracker. And that's what Liverpool, that's what City do. It's like, it's not rocket science. We just need the guys that are willing to have, be brave enough to actually run at their men from the outsides.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. And, and wing Wingback's the, the, the place where we need to, the upgrades to do that. I think there's a place for Sassouyon in the squad, but um, but uh, I'd rather if he has to be if he has to start so we can fix the other side. I think that's probably the the better move. But realistically, he's going to be hurt a lot. I think we we need another person to start um, start at wing back on Sassouyon's side for sure.
3: Well, Sensenyon used to be a goal scorer at, at Fulham, too, so I'm still waiting to see that come back into his game because, boy, if he can start you know, scoring, because we know Reggian can't, right? Harry Kane's teed him up so many times that we've watched that ball go everywhere, but if Reggian can be a scoring threat, oh, man, just you know, with him and Son on that side, that'll be a nightmare for opponents. Uh,
0: definitely. Um, well, any final thoughts on Burnley before we go to MVP? Let's do MVP. Uh, let's start with uh, Lucas this time.
1: I'm going to go with Sanchez. Um, even though he was my honorable shout for LVP against Arsenal, the reason I said honorable was because he was just getting thrown back in there. So um, I really thought he stepped up in this game, and he seemed just—he seemed just as hungry as Kane to go score a goal. He was an animal. Um, he was up front, trying to create everything he could in this game, and. It's, it really seemed like in his head, he was very aware of what that game meant and how we needed to win and a point wasn't good enough. And, um, yeah, Sanchez was just – his effort and his passion in that game was easy to walk to my MVP. So big shout to Dave. Well, and,
0: and I think it also shows that an understanding of what Conte wants out of his, uh, um, his three-man uh, back line, like, yeah, uh, you know, he really wants the, the that 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 uh right center back and the left center back to to get forward and contribute to the attack,
1: absolutely. Uh, and Anthony, I, I'm not gonna like go into my own rant on this one, but you're absolutely right. And with Conti, it's if if they're not gonna, if what, what Burnley was gonna do was maybe hit us on a break, but that's where Sanchez is best at defending is he's the fastest and the best at counterattack defending. So why not have him step forward and be as offensive as you can in all the moments that you can, knowing full well that he has the confidence to go back if we lose the ball in a threatening position. Sanchez can go back and correct that mistake. So that, I, I think Conti and him were on the same page a
0: 1,000%. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right there. Uh, Rick? Um,
2: I can't actually remember someone playing that exceptionally well um like i said it was more of a matrician game than anything else so you know man of the match i really want to give it to Conte because i think he put the team out in the right frame of mind with all the uh detrimental um things that could affect uh, the the team so I really want to give it to Conte. I think I think he um, he he willed that that result out of the players. It, 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 like I said before, we had so many excuses that could have affected that game, and he just didn't let the players have those excuses. You know, he you know you could almost hear the, um, the team talk. You know, before kick off, you know, your Tottenham, they're Burnley. We're fifth. They're 17th. You need to win this game. You know, you know what I mean? You can almost hear, hear those words. So I, I I want to give it to Conte. Uh, okay, I like it. That's a good show. Uh, Jeff?
3: Um, I'm going to agree with Lucas. I, I go with Sanchez. And I actually thought Lucas would laugh at me and ridicule me <laughs> at this point. So I'm glad he went <laughs> first and chose him too. Yeah, I thought he was fantastic and he was involved in all the attacks. And I think at one point, even at the bar, I gasped and laughed uh, with the people I was sitting by. Like, you know, is that really Sanchez? Because he just seemed so wildly different. But I also want to give a special shout out to Hugo, who evidently played with a fever. Um you know, during this game, you know, and just absolutely would not come out of the lineup. Um, luckily, he only had to make a couple big saves, but, um, you know, he just, he gave everything um, in that match, you know, just to stay upright. Um, I know if I had a fever, I would not be able to be out there. So, um, you yeah, know, big shout out to him.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Good shout there.
3: Um,
0: uh, I, I think you guys have a good case on on Sanchez. Um I'm going to say Bentoncourt had uh, another good uh performance here. Um I think it really made the difference in this one that that we kind of controlled the midfield and 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 he certainly was a big part of that. I think he was a bit more of a beast in this one whereas like I totally saw against Arsenal Hoybier was the beast but but I think Bentoncourt was here. So I'm just going to give him a the the shout in this one and make him my mvp because as rick said it is tough to pick and other than picking conte um i i think he's probably the only other player that i kind of would select from there so um but he's mine um any final thoughts before we go to half okay well uh the second half we will be uh talking about where we're at in there on the top four race, which is much better than I think we thought we were going to be last week. Um, Where is
1: that? Are, are, are we close?
0: <laughs> and um, and then we'll preview the, the last match of the season against Norwich. Um, but first, we're going to go to Luke's Locks.
1: All right. <clears throat> so a couple of these are very simple, but they're all on the final day of the year. So let's take these all coming up this weekend. First up, we're going to take Man City minus two goals at home on Sunday versus Aston Villa. City will have their shot to win the league and Villa have nothing to play for. So I think this is an easy no-brainer. City will come out and steamroll for an easy three-goal win. So take City minus two in that one. Next up, we're going to take over two and a half goals in the Burnley at, at home versus Newcastle game. Burnley... If everything goes right in midweek for them, we'll have everything to play for, trying to stay up in the Premier League. So I expect them to be very aggressive on attack in a very open game. Newcastle, as they showed this afternoon, are very happy to play an aggressive counterattack game. So I think we'll see a lot of goals in this one. Take over two and a half goals, Burnley at home versus Newcastle. Third, we're going to take over again, two and a half goals in the Brighton at home game against West Ham. Both teams have exceeded expectations this year and would love to go out on a high note. Both have proved very capable at hitting teams on the counter as well. So I think we'll see a fun, high-scoring goal fest in this one over 2.5, Brighton at home versus West Ham. Finally, we're going to take Liverpool minus two two goals at home versus Wolves. For many of the same reasons I gave out the City pick, I'm going to give out Liverpool here. Liverpool still... Technically, have the quadruple on the line. I think we'll see Liverpool completely on a different level, and I think we'll see them roll to an easy multiple-goal win. Liverpool, minus two at home. Absolute layup. There you have it. There's your four free picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids.
0: Thanks, as always, Lucas. So uh, let's begin the second-half conversation. Um, With where we're at. And and I think most of us, uh, if we didn't catch the match, we're at least following what was happening with today's match. Um, Because it did did have so much meaning for uh, what our chances of top four were. Um, And that was the Arsenal-Newcastle match today. Um, And I think we may have broke Arsenal. When we beat them 3-0, I think we just just broke them mentally. Something snapped inside of them, and they just fell apart because they looked terrible today against Newcastle. Jeff?
3: Well, they did, and it was just like the North London Derby. Newcastle could have beat them by a much bigger scoreline. They had at one point they had a two on one breakaway on the goalie that they blew and then there was another one too so it could have been way worse that after the match arteta just looked completely shell-shocked uh, he did manage to get in the uh, the arteta wine of the week afterwards that you know oh they only had four days rest as opposed to newcastle's eight you know, as opposed to R2 yesterday. So he's never going to stop that, apparently. But, yeah, they, they just felt totally unfocused. And I'm already on record that I still think Everton beats them next Sunday, too. So. Yeah. Well, Jeff, uh, Jeff, how about Arteta
1: at least was able to say, Newcastle was the better team today.
3: He was. He, he did admit <laughs> he that. He
1: wouldn't say that on Thursday.
3: He did admit that. And, yeah, I don't think he said anything about the refs. So maybe he's maybe he's trending in the right direction a little
0: yeah, I, I think it's clearly like he he wasn't going to sit there and give us any credit whatsoever, but
2: but Rick? Well, I, 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 I disagree slightly. Uh, I think we definitely demoralized them um, by beating them 3-0, and Lucas will back me up on this, but they've actually lost six of their last 10 games, um, and the four games that they won, I'll turn it over to Lucas. <laughs>
1: Thank You, Rick, <laughs> thank you, Rick, for teeing me up on that one because, as you know, I'm gonna say they played someone that cared, it is that simple. Uh, what I all the props that I gave us for that first 30 minutes against Burnley, we showed up and we looked like we knew what was at stake. It's the same reason I said Dave was my MVP, Dave knew that a A nil-nil draw wasn't enough. We needed to win. This team for Arsenal showed up, didn't care. They were like, oh, well, the day out, we're up in this Geordie shore, if you will. It was an absolute layup because they played someone that cared. Everyone was just praising Arsenal as some heroes because they were able to beat, in a very short stretch, Man United, Chelsea, and West Ham. West Ham was focused on Europa. Didn't even put Antonio in until the 70th minute. United hasn't really given a crap about a single game this half of the season, except for Ronaldo hat tricks against us in Norwich. Chelsea mailed it in and could not have given a single crap about that game because they were on a beach and were already out of Champions League and into next year's Champions League. So they didn't care. This was the first game, that us on Thursday, followed by this, was the only two games that Arsenal played against teams that cared. And they absolutely bent over like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. Just whoop. It was absolute layup. Newcastle was on top of them the whole way. And the point that we'll all get to, I'm sure we'll have a big chat about this, but I I love the fact that it wasn't Newcastle getting a point. It was Newcastle getting all three points. So now all we have to do is go get that single point against Norwich.
0: Yeah, no, and, and, that, and that's kind of where we're at in the table right now. Um, we went from, if they had won, we would have still been a, a point behind Arsenal. Um, and we, we would have to win and rely on Everton to, 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 to beat. Um, which, I don't think any of us have that much faith in Everton to do that for us. Um, I do. I do. Especially if they beat Crystal Palace midweek. Um, it
3: but, doesn't, it doesn't,
2: yeah, but, it, uh, that obviously doesn't matter. Um,
3: and Burnley plays midweek too, so. They won't
2: yeah, it, it, I don't think it matters. They're, they're going to, you know, every time they're going to go and play against Arsenal, a demoralised Arsenal who uh, really have no shot to, to get fourth place, and they're going to be demoralising on the bench and whatever, they're, they're not going to care. Um, they didn't care today when it mattered. And they're definitely not going to care on Sunday. But, um,
0: but if we had, if they had won against Newcastle, um, it would have been a completely different situation going into that last day. And granted, um, you know, we probably even if we did beat Norwich, there's
2: a good chance that we still wouldn't qualify. Um, but right, but right now, for, well, three games ago we were four points behind them, and now we're two points ahead of them. They really, really are not a good side. Um, like, like Lucas said, the, the games that they won were against teams that didn't care. Um, if they if they played if they play Man United, Chelsea, and West Ham again, now they would probably only beat Man United. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's, uh, they're really not a good side, and they don't have a good manager. They yeah. they really don't.
0: Well, let me ask this question. How are you guys feeling now about our chances? Obviously, we just have to do the business against Norwich, as as the situation is. And
2: I'll, it, I'll, I'll give you some statistics, okay? Norwich um, have only won three home games. They were against Everton, Southampton, and somebody else. Uh, oh, Burnley. Um, so they've only won three games. They conceded... 76 goals so far this season they have a minus 56 um goal difference um their one striker Puki, has scored 11 goals the whole rest of the team all of them and um, there's only one other player that scored more than one and that was two um so basically it's really easy to say mark Puki because nothing else is going to happen Um, um, and the, on the flip side of that is we've scored 64 goals, which is the fourth best in the league. Um, so yeah, I, if, if anybody holds any doubt that we're going to win that game, they should, you know, go and sit in a locked room because it's not going to happen. We're going to win that game and we're going to win that game easily.
0: Um, And let's continue the conversation into Norwich, uh. Uh, Lucas?
1: Yeah, um, I think uh, there's a few things I will say. Hey, Norwich, you could always add, oh, they're on a beach, they're already relegated. But every Tottenham fan that's listening to this podcast, the first thing out of their heads right now is, well, Newcastle was already relegated when all we had to do was get a point against them, and we would have finished above Arsenal, and we didn't. We blew it, and ironically, it was Sissoko that absolutely dicked us that day, and we made fools of ourselves. But I think the thing that is really different is what we just talked about, about spurs Burnley, and Arsenal's effort today. The difference between those two efforts, if Tottenham show up in a given effort, we'll be better than Norwich, and we'll get at least a point. And I'm thinking we score four goals. We will be absolutely up for it. If we're up for it, I think it goes our way. The problem is for Arsenal fans 13 today, all they had to do was beat Newcastle and then beat Everton who sucks and they'd be in control of their own destiny. So that's where I think to start the conversation for anyone that's worried about us in Norwich, it's we showed up against Burnley after a few days rest and against a team that was, praying to stay up and giving it everything they had. And we turned up. We turned up. And now we have a week's rest and Conti, don't... This time, we have Conti. We're absolutely going to turn up and we're going to be ready for it. And we know... Again, I gave Dave man of the match because he knew what was at stake against Burnley. Well, if Dave knew it, he's going to know it again. The rest of the boys know it. We all know what's at stake. We are going to turn up for this game. Arsenal, Knew exactly what was at stake today. They couldn't turn up. They got smacked, absolutely smacked. That two goal nil or uh, two nil result was not a fluke. That was an absolute beatdown. They were lucky it stayed at two. And I love that it's in our hands. And it's with a group of guys that clearly Conti knows I've beaten this into their heads. We all know what's at stake.
2: I think Rick was next. Well what I want what I want to point out to you is if you look at it from the Arsenal point of view, they're gonna go into that game against Everton, thinking there is no chance that we're gonna lose against Norwich. None. So they're gonna be demotivated, um, they're not gonna care. Because they also know.
1: they also have to play Delhi. Delhi's gonna get the start. And <laughs> <laughs> the hat trick. Delhi <laughs> Delhi scores you, a hat-trick, I'm calling it out. Because Delhi knows Delhi knows what's at stake.
2: You know, they're going to go into that game with absolutely no hope that Norwich are going to beat us, none. So they're they're expecting us to win that game. And so therefore it means nothing that they do in that game will matter. So they could actually be um, on the beach themselves in that game. Um, Because they're, they're not expecting us to lose against Norwich. And I'm not expecting us to lose against Norwich. No one's expecting us
0: to lose against Norwich. But, but I think yeah, Spurs fans have that that feeling in the pit of their stomach that <coughs> we've seen it go wrong before and it's yeah we've we've like seen it go, we' we've seen gotten it go. that tag Spursy for a reason as much as we hate that
2: phrase. yeah, we've we've um, seen it go wrong before, but we've seen it go wrong before with with um managers that were not contact. Um, you know um, who's
1: the last one? Give us a name. <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> uh J- Jeff
0: wants to jump in here. <laughs> no, I was just Rhymes gonna
3: say that <laughs> um, I I don't think that we will lose this game to Norwich. There's only two things that concern me. One is, you know, it's Norwich's last home game in the Premier League for at least a season, although they're like a bad check. They keep bouncing back, so we'll probably see them again in two years. Um so I don't think they're gonna wanna get embarrassed at home. I think they'll they'll put up a decent fight. Um, the other thing is that we seem to drop a player every game due to injury. And Bettencourt looked like he got, took a knock towards the end of the Burnley game and he was walking off kind of gingerly. So I'm waiting to hear, you know, and. Uh, Conte give an update I'm hoping we don't lose him for that game because I think we only have about 12 guys who can play at this point who aren't in the under 23s so I think there is a big difference in the game if Bettencourt starts versus Wink starting even though it is Norwich um, uh, but I don't think either one of those things is going to make us lose I mean I f- would fully expect us to win that game well, and we
0: have a week to rest,
3: uh, so all, all of our
0: ill people are going to be back and available. Um, they're going to be over. Not that we care if Winks is available. I guess unless Benton core is uh, is hurt, uh, then we we might need Winks uh, to just to be able to execute a Conte system. Um, but um, but hopefully that that won't be the case. Uh, but I think Winks could handle a Norwich. Um, Like, we've seen him have a couple of really strong performances against lower table sides this season. And I think uh, he probably could handle uh, playing Norwich if we had to. Um, Lucas?
1: One thing I don't want, I want us all to be excited about Sunday. I want us all to be excited about the fact that it's in our control. Don't take Norwich lightly in the sense that they're always up for it. They are. I was at the Narch game in December where within 60 seconds of kickoff they had a chance absolute layup on Hugo and Hugo made a worldly save that allowed us to actually play into the game and not be down 1-0. But that being said you know who scored that game? Sanchez. So maybe it's destiny. I don't know. But I want us all to remember the fact that there was a time the day before Halloween that I just had given up darkest day of my life, which ironically ended up being the best thing ever. We got done 3-0 at home by Man United. And that day allowed us to sack Nuno and hire Conti. And it allowed United to not sack Ali. <laughs> so we got Conti instead of them. That was El Sacico. And if you had told me on that day that the final day of the season our destiny for top four was in our hands I would have bitten your hand off and I would have called you a liar. So here we are. What Conti and these boys have done whether we, do we Spursy bottle it all that crap, who cares? Honestly, what we've done to this point it's it's really, really impressive and I'm so proud of all these guys for getting us here last day of the season we control our destiny I always say I'm like that's all I can ask for
0: yeah and to put us in the position where we potentially could be talking uh Champions League next year which I think even just two months ago we we were all writing that off um and and now we're we're knocking on the door for it we just have to win one match against the the worst team in the league We were getting Uh, (laughs)
1: smacked by Crystal Palace 3-0. There was no hope for us. And here we are, last day of the season. West Ham, big shout-out on your magic season. Where are you guys?
3: But before Liverpool, everybody was like, oh, my God, we got no chance. We we won't take a point off Liverpool. We're doomed. Um, And here Here we we are. are. (laughs) Here we are three games later. Here we are.
0: Yeah, no, this is... uh um a magical place that we're in and and it was just like the aligning of the stars or or something that that happened to 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 bring us to here because it really never felt like we were going to get here but now we are and it's just uh one final match of the season away from from at least top four glory and in champions league once again and No, but that's
1: why, Anthony, absolutely, that's why I want people to be this excited for Norwich. Don't be thinking about, like, oh, it'd be so Spursy if we lost. Be excited, because think about where we were when we got Conti. Some nightmare it was, and now it's like, we control. Look at what he's done with players that we were all ready to write off. Anyone here call Ben Davis player of the season mid-October? No. Half, half my apartment, not me included, wanted to get rid of Eric Dyer. So I'm like, look at these guys. Look at what we've been able to do with Conti, what he's been able to do. And we're going to absolutely roll into Norwich ready to rock. And I cannot be more excited for Sunday. Yeah.
0: And Rick kind of laid out the, the situation. I can't add anything really more. Pu- Puky, I'll call him, or Pooky is the... Uh is really the only goal scoring threat that they have. Um, so we just have Dyer mark him or something. And, and, and we, we, we just focus on getting forward, um, you know, keep our, our steady, solid defense, and they're not going to get through. We just have to make sure that our attack is there. And like, I think even if they sit back, I don't, think their defense is good enough to keep us off the board i just i just don't think it is
2: well they're, they're not really a park the bus kind of team anyway yeah. um so you know expecting that expecting them to play you know 5-4-1 in their last home game of the season when they're already uh, already relegated is a you know it's not going it, to happen it's not going to happen um mm-hmm. And, you know, if they did that, they might eke out a draw against us. But what's the point? You know, they might as well go for us and see what happens. And if they go for us, uh, like Man City went for us and like Liverpool went for us, you know what I mean? We know what we are capable of when, when teams go for us. Well, um,
0: they want to give their fans a show.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's pointless being, a, you know, <laughs> so going, so going defensively. City. Sorry, <laughs> Lucas?
1: Said, so did Hull City when they were going down. And would we win 7 2 that day? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh. I think, Anthony, real quick, if I could jump in, this is the one thing I think this is huge for Harry Kane. Harry Kane, the last time, Harry Kane always gets that bit of a slagging for not being the big time guy, in the big time game. I think this is an absolute Harry Kane day. He knows it. He said himself, he's like, I want to be here with Conte. If we back Conte, he knows he's not an idiot. If we get Champions League, we can back Conte, stuff like that. But I think this is huge for Kane and his Spurs legacy. I think he knows how important this game is. I think that guy's going to be trying to do bicycle kicks from 30 yards out. Kane's going to be doing as many Kane things as he can to try and get this over the line. because.
2: Um, and the other, and the other thing you forgot was that Son is going for the golden boot. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, excuse
1: me. We're going to have Kane and Son both competitively competing. Just competitively competing.
0: They're going to have that's a goal off.
1: Episode, that's the episode title. No, but they're just going to go <laughs> at it. <laughs> Those two going at it to see who could score more against Norwich. Jesus. Some day out for us.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, well, the other hey, thing, hey, sorry, hey, the
2: other, ahead, the, yeah, the other thing I want to bring up is the um, the consequences of actually us getting Champions League. You know, all the rumours and shit we went through last year with Kane, that's all going to go away. Uh, the rumours about Conte leaving, that's all going to go away, um, and the potential recruitments that we can get. It's going to be immense, you know, because you've got Paratici, who's, you know, the best recruitment guy out there. You've got Conte, one of the best managers in the world. We've got the best stadium in the world. We've got the best training ground in the world, and we've got Champions League. You know, uh, uh, we are we are going to be a, a very desirable. Um, destination for players that are you know either out of contract or you know or running down their contract or um, you know, or available for the right price, you know. Like you, know you, can, you can see Ericsson coming. Eric yep. Erickson's gonna be first go there the we doors. don't have a so, Rick- for this podcast.
1: <laughs> Rick,
3: you're saying we can get sterling.
2: Yeah, don't. No, no, let's let's not go there.
3: (laughs) Well, but the other thing is, you know, with Chelsea in flux, um, you know, they're not going to be able to park, uh, you know, illegal Russian money anymore like they did under Abramovich. They're not going to spend like crazy. Um, And the UK government still hasn't. um, You know, agreed to the to Bowley's group. but even if Oli's group does, they've got a bunch of um you know people who are gonna expect profits over over victories. So, you know, the Chelsea world is gonna change. You know, City and Liverpool are are gonna continue to be threats, but Chelsea I don't think we can see yet. And a lot of guys are leaving there. So the you know we you know, Champions League for us, you know, that really puts us in the title conversation
2: next year, I think. Well, it, 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 Sorry, the other other thing you've got to remember is that City have just bought Haaland. So they're not in the market for a striker and they're not going to be in the market for midfielders. Um, If we have Champions League and we're up against... You know, Liverpool don't really need anybody unless they lose Salah. Chelsea really can't... You know, we don't know what's going to happen with them. So the only people we're, we're competing with for players are Manchester United and Arsenal. Is anybody, any player, going to choose Manchester United or Arsenal over us right now? No, they're not. They're not going to go to a team that's, um, you know, completely devoid of any kind of morale, which is Man United. And also, you know, who's going to go there?
0: Well, you know, City could sell Sterling to make room for more players, so... Um... We could see the potential there of them being able to make be competitive for players. But but I think this is probably a better conversation for when we're uh, um, our end of season episode or one of our midsummer episodes. I, I think that's this is a perfect there.
1: conversation. Yeah. This is a perfect conversation for 830 on Sunday at the pub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see you guys there. Just let these so, people off the hook.
0: Let's go to predictions. Uh, we'll start with Jeff again this time.
3: Um, I'm going to say 3 0 Spurs. I might, I, I might drop it a goal if Wink starts, like I said. But I think uh, Harry will get one, and Son will get two, and win the Golden
2: Boot. Oh, that would be awesome, um, Rick. Um, we, <laughs> we're we're going to win six-nil, and I'll give three each to Harry and Son. I like it. I like
0: it. Um, I'm gonna go high scoring too in this one. Like uh, I, uh, my instinct was to say like, oh, I'm gonna be like a little conservative and say like, you know, that this, we might have to grind out a bit more of a result here just cause uh, um, uh, we, uh, we just have that fear come into to, to play a little bit. I think, and we do have that knack for making things tough when they should be easy. Uh, but, no, I think it's going to go the other way. I think Lucas is right, and this is going to be a total annihilation. I'm going to say 5-0. Um, I think we get uh, two from Sun. He 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 gets his golden boot. Um, I think we get one from Kane, uh, one from Kulishevsky, and we get one from Sanchez. Um, I, he, he was great going forward, and he he seems to want it pretty bad, and he did score against Norwich already this year, so – just
2: uh, well, my last one. The one, the one thing that's going to be interesting. Let's say we're three nil up, and, um, Sun has only scored one goal, and then we get a penalty. Is Harry Kane? Oh no, is no, Harry going no, to no. give it nope. to Sun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he will. Yeah, he will totally. I, I think he, he probably will. In, yeah. If it's nil nil, maybe not. But if we, if we're winning, I think I think he will. Yeah.
1: Has but Harry has? All right. Never mind, we'll ask that later. Um,
2: oh, no, go ahead. You, you
0: can ask that first.
1: I was going to say, has, does anybody know, has Harry had his firstborn son yet? Has that happened?
2: Yeah, he's, he's got two girls and a son. He's got... No, yeah. no,
1: has Harry Kane had his son? He's got two daughters. Has the son been born? Yeah. What's his name? I don't know. <laughs> it's probably Youngman young Kane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, was, I, I think, was, think we skipped anyway. you
0: for <laughs> predictions lucas <laughs> now
1: all right so i i actually have three i have three nil and i have son gets a brace gets the golden boot but i also think benton Kerr gets his he gets his day in court which is gonna be awesome because he's fucking earned it
0: yeah no i i think i think that'd be awesome um Final thoughts. Uh, we, we've kind of t- talked about the big picture a bit here, uh, but uh, um, before we go into our last match of the season, um, anybody want to give a pep talk?
3: Well, I don't know if it's a yeah. pep talk, but like I said, I still think Everton beats Arsenal too. So I think we're going to, at the pub, be watching Spurs win while we watch the scoreline to see Everton put goal after goal at, on Arsenal. So it'll be twice as sweet.
0: <laughs> oh, that would that would be that would be super sweet. Uh, That's a great way to end. <laughs> uh, J- Jeff, I mean uh, Rick, pick, talk.
2: Um As long as as long as we go in the game like we did against Burnley and we did against Arsenal, as long as we go into it with that kind of mindset, which I think Conte will insist on, um, it, it, it will be just an easy game. Um, I'm not worried about it at all. So I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, here's my pep talk. I could not be more proud of the boys. I mean, it's been some fucking season. We had Europa made-up league that we were in, that we got like COVID out of. We had snowed-out games at Burnley. We had Arsenal making up COVID reasons not to play them. We had canceled games. We had every bit of craziness that could be thrown into this season. We had our 11th choice manager take over at the start of the season. And then, look, Conti took over, and here we are. And I could not be more proud of these guys for getting us to the last day of the year and having our own Champions League dreams in our own hands. So fair play to the boys, fair play to the fans, fair play to everyone that backs this team and has stuck through us through this nightmare of a season. And here we come championship sunday as nbc likes to call it and here we sit in charge of our own destiny so really proud of us proud to wear the shirt on sunday that's for damn sure.
0: yeah oh definitely and i and i can't top what you just said uh lucas so i think we are going to leave it at that so thank you so much to jeff rick and lucas for being on today um Thanks to Rick for editing and sound tonight, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Lucas for Luke's locks, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Come on out and and watch that with us. I'm sure they'll be open super early. Um, Definitely get out there for the last match of the season. It's going to be off the chains. It's going to be a great crowd. Fun day out. Um, If... Uh, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes you to like our podcast and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.